Welcome to Tribe Talk, where we focus on the topics that will help you improve your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I'm Dr. Elena Villanueva, and helping people improve their mental health is my passion. I'm Ann Hutira, and nutrition is my passion. Together, we invite you to be a part of our tribe and learn how addressing the root causes of your symptoms can bring you improved health and wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of Tribe Talk. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to today's edition of Tribe Talk. We're so happy to see you guys joining us. We're just going to give it a few minutes and let everybody get here into the meeting room. We have a really exciting show for you today. We have Dr. Judy Mikovits with us today, and um, Dr. V and I have been anxiously awaiting our interview with her, and we know a bunch of you have as well. Um, you know, she's going to dive into some of the science behind coronavirus and COVID-19 and talk about some of her experience dealing with uh, other types of viruses in the past and talk about what she knows um, that's very controversial. I'll put that out there. You know, her work uh, she's known as an activist. She's also a scientist. She comes to us, you know, highly experienced in, in several areas. And you've probably seen her making the rounds, doing interviews in lots of places, talking about coronavirus and COVID-19. And so um, we have a lot of topics and questions we're going to dive into today with Dr. Judy. And uh, here she is popping into the room. Dr. V, we're so excited to have her here with us today. Yes, we're super excited to have you here with us, Judy. Thank you so much for joining us. We, uh, you know, we want to spread your message. The, the, the information that you have, we feel that, uh, you know, that the whole world needs to hear this information. This is life-saving information for people. And we're going to do everything that we can uh, to to promote this. We are encouraging all of our followers to share this information, to get your books out there. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Uh, thanks so much, Dr. Villanueva. I appreciate it. And thank you too, Anne. Sorry You're I missed welcome. you last week. Uh, uh, it didn't quite You're hit. a busy lady, we know. <laughs> I just didn't hit my calendar with that reminder, and then I couldn't find the number. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit of a snafu there, but I appreciate it. Um, well, before we dive in, I just want to tell you know all of our viewers a little bit about you. Now, you're a well-renowned scientist and activist. Dr. Judy has a background in biochemistry and molecular biology, and she's known for her work in HIV and AIDS research but she's also known for speaking out about what's happening in the world of medical research when big government and politics get involved. She details this in her latest book, Plague of Corruption. Um, so again, you're, you're a really popular lady right now. You're talking to, uh, you know, to, a, to a lot of different you know, shows and doing a lot of interviews and really getting your message out. And so like Dr. V said, we're really honored to have you here sharing this with all of our viewers as well. Thanks so much. It's, it's really important that people realize this plague of corruption um, that we're calling COVID-19 right now that just puts all humanity and our, our way of life at, at great risk. So doing everything we can to speak truth in love and end it as soon as possible. Yeah, you know, I want to, I'd like to ask you, I'd like to know a little bit 
about you personally, about Judy before she became Dr. Judy. What inspired you to get into this field and this line of work? Well, my, when, I, when I was a kid, um, my parents got divorced and, and my mom moved back to uh, Washington, D.C. in 1968. And um, so that was a very tumultuous time in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and we were living in my grandparents' house, my mom's parents' house on at 417 Constitution Avenue. And uh, so we, we saw a lot. And, and um, I used to love to go to baseball games with my grandfather, and then he got sick with cancer. And it was a time when cancer was a closet disease. Nobody had it. Everybody was afraid you could catch it. And so I just, at the time, thought there must be a way that we could use um, that that we could use food that we could heal with with medicine with food and 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 restore our health you know we later found out that you know part of the cancer problem um was the asbestos as he was a railroad man on fruit growers express but so the whole idea so i went to university of virginia um uh, ultimately, and I got a degree in, in chemistry with a specialization in biology. I hate to say it was so long ago that they didn't even have a biochemistry <laughs> department. So I just studied, you know, natural products, plants, nutritional biochemistry, really everything I could. And then went, you know, right from there, got a job working at the National Cancer Institute to purify one of the first immune therapies that was actually a curative therapy for a leukemia um, known as hairy cell leukemia. And so that started my journey. I just love making medicine prevention, treatment of disease. Um, and it's been a roller coaster ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, a lot of your early work that you're known for was with HIV and AIDS. And for people who aren't listening, who aren't familiar with your history and your story, talk to us a little bit about you know, what you did there, because you're kind of known as a pioneer in that area for things you discovered, and and and, and talk a little bit about that. Well, um, so after I finished my job as, as a, in, the, in the purification with the interferons, I, I learned of this program um, starting up called the Biological Response Modifiers Program. And so this was the first translational program where we take biological responses and, and take the patients, doctors, nurses, I was just a technician, PharmDs, PhDs, um, technicians, and everybody would work together you know, translating the whole patient systems biology approach before the term was even coined. And, and that was um, probably the most fun I had in all of science. Well, at that place, um, we actually had the the, the patients um, there in Frederick, Maryland. We had a small grocery store that they turned into a clinic um, across the street from um, the Cancer Institute. And, and we actually, I was part of the team that isolated HIV um, then called LAV that Luc Montagnier had isolated from some French patients with these, what was called gay related immune deficiency at the time. So um, I met the patients, I, I understood, I could see the destruction of their immune system. I isolated the virus and just basically spent the next, um, you know, the, the rest of my lifetime trying to understand how viruses cause acquired immune deficiencies. And now we appreciate, I call them acquired endocannabinoid immune deficiencies, because now we know there's an endogenous cannabinoid system that crosstalks with the immune system. So we were making, we were part of the team that under, that with Candace Pert, Dr. Seti and, and my team made peptide T. And your listeners can go watch or, or your viewers 
viewers can go watch the Dallas Buyers Club. So this was an immune modulator. It wasn't toxic. And, and you know, I started to see why wouldn't the government approve it? Why wouldn't the FDA approve it? So I started throughout this time to see how the government would block the discovery made in the, by these amazing people, you know, worldwide. Why would you block approval of natural products in favor of toxic drug? And it, over the years, it got worse and worse. So during that time in the eighties, um, uh, the T cells, um, you know, the the destruction, the way the te the way people determined you had AIDS was if your T cells was your CD4 T cells, the helper T cells they were called, were below a certain level, say 200. Doesn't really matter what the number is. So when they got that low and you disrupted the balance, um, you got all kinds of opportunistic infections. So all kinds of things that healthy people really shouldn't be infected with and certainly not dying of. And, um, and, and so one of the things we knew at the time was that only one in 10,000 T cells were infected. And so what the doctor said was it was bystander effects. And I'm like, well, that's not a highly scientific term. So I started, I, I engaged in, in a PhD program um, at, at George Washington University. Dr. Rossetti was my mentor. And I simply hypothesized that the orchestrator of AIDS was a different part of the immune system. And if we could prevent that part of the immune system from, from um, the virus from waking up, or crippling that part of, of your immune system, then of course people could have HIV and never develop AIDS. And, and that was my PhD thesis. Um, now we had to change everything. We had to change the way we treated, the way we diagnosed. We had to use drugs in very, very low dose so that they weren't toxic. So you had to do everything you can to keep your immune system healthy so that you could keep a balance and, and would never have those bystander effects kill those T cells. and and, and Ultimately, as we know today, that's that's what happened. So at a time when I thought we couldn't possibly, I mean, the, the healthy, beautiful young men um, were just dropping like flies. It was it was scary. It was probably one of the scariest times of my entire life. So I wasn't afraid of isolating the virus and working there because um, just I I don't know why. None of this is ever. Um, I'm not afraid. I, I, I really trust God. And I think we know enough about our immune systems to keep basically any microorganism from becoming a pathogen if we know how to um, keep our immune systems in balance. And that's those are the kinds of immune therapies and drugs I've um, developed all along. And, and of course, you know, <laughs> it, it moved on to where in 1999 I was um, I was appointed to be the director of then the world-renowned laboratory of antiviral drug mechanisms. So our whole job was to look and see um, how we could develop drug therapies, immune therapies, and other things to prevent um, viruses from causing disease. That is, so you can be infected. And so now we know what now know HIV doesn't cause AIDS um, because um, in order to be causative, every person with the virus has to have the disease. And we now see pre exposure prophylaxis commercials. We give these um, highly active antiviral drug um, therapies. We give them to the infected or to the susceptible free. And, um, and of course, now we know that um, um, we rarely see an AIDS patient from HIV anymore, certainly from other causes.
You know, in your, in your latest book, Plague of Corruption, you, you outline some of the things that happen. Um, some things happened to you. Things got kind of, I'll use the word dicey. You, you ended up getting arrested because you had to stand up for ethical reasons for, for research you were doing. Um, for our viewers who aren't familiar with that part of your story, talk a little bit about why you took a stand and, and how that landed you in jail and what happened after that. Well, well, that that actually was the topic of our first book, which was called Plague. And so, um, basically, in in our studies, once we'd isolated um, a new family <clears throat> of cancer-causing and neuroimmune disease-causing or associated retroviruses, because now we know you can have a lot of people with the virus who will never get the disease, so we associated a new family of mouse retroviruses with myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is called chronic fatigue syndrome here, with a number of cancers and blood diseases, with autism spectrum disorders. And, and we looked at those families just as we did back in the biological response modifiers program. And um, so, um, you know, in 2011, when we found really the number of um, diseases associated and the the extent of the contamination of the blood supply, the extent of the infected people, which was 25 times um, HIV AIDS at the height of infection in this country. And we knew what it cost because the services and the, and the pro providing um, you know, uh, life resources, as I just mentioned, free drugs, because it was in fact a contaminated blood supply that spread this virus through the population. And, and not as we were to told our bad behavior or the bad behavior of the IV drug users, the gay men. It was called gay-related immune deficiency. Ultimately, it was called AIDS-acquired immune deficiency. And being acquiring an immune deficiency can come from a lot of sources. And one of our colleagues mentioned um, in a publication in early 2011 that the most likely way mouse viruses got into humans was biological therapies. Um, those very biological response modifiers that we were making um, back between 83 and 87 in that program. And that, um, you know, so between a contaminated in blood supply and contaminated vaccines with lots of different viruses, animal um, cancer-causing viruses from monkeys and even even the relatives of HIV um, are are in those vaccines. When we do, when we inject animal tissues with human tissues, we know fetal tissue, um, um, aborted fetal tissue, is used in the manufacture of vaccines and and has been for decades. So when we realized, and we as a scientific community um, realized that. That's that that extent of damage likely came from contaminated vaccines and and a, and a blood supply that had been contaminated since HIV, because one of the confirmatory studies for our paper um, came from Shaixing Lo and Harvey Alter. Our paper was published in Science October eighth, and so within six months or probably even sooner than that. Um, uh, doctor who had worked in HIV for the FDA, Shaixing Lo, and had been working on mycoplasma at the time, be, being a causative agent of, of AIDS. Um, and his boss, um, the Lasker Award winner, Harvey Alter, 
actually um, validated our, our results because he took a box from the freezer that he called non-HIV AIDS that had been frozen since the 80s. And, and, and why did he call it non-HIV AIDS? Well, because number one, there was no evidence of HIV in, in these patient samples, and yet the patients clinically had um, immune deficits, had T-cell, the kinds of things we just talked about, the problems of T-cells at low numbers and the balance of their immune system off. And, um, and they were women and children. And they, they were nurses. They were they were not in the susceptible. They weren't IV drug users, prostitutes, or and and so the the big um, oh my God at that time he found eighty six percent positive for XMRVs, the mouse retroviruses. That's what M MRV means, xenotropic, because it's in a human, not in a mouse and um, murine leukemia, murine cancer-causing virus, retrovirus-related retrovirus. So that he, they found 86%, but importantly, they found over 6% in the control populations in supposedly healthier carry individual. And that's, um, that's between 20 and 40 million Americans. And, and honestly, um, as, as um, Hillary Johnson wrote in the foreword of our first book, Plague, the title of the foreword was a disease to affect the economies of nations. We simply couldn't afford so um, that. We couldn't afford to protect our lab workers when we realized this was contagious, that lab workers were getting sick, getting these diseases. Their children were getting autism because retroviruses, especially the XMRVs, can infect every cell of the body, even the sperm and the egg, and can be transmitted um, vertically as well as horizontally. That means two children, two grandchildren. So here we've got you know, um, a, a virus that can activate and, and is, is associated with all these disease can't afford it. So instead of um, doing the right thing and retrofitting our laboratories, biosafety level three like HIV, um, and recognizing the extent of the damage in 2011, the government just tried to that, that just destroy the evidence and do a character assassination on me and send a message to anybody else who ever did this kind of research again that their career, if not their life, would be over. And that's what both both books, the first book is much more science, but the second book is, that you know, the second book is everything else we learn. So it's just a, a suspense thriller. And fortunately, it's not a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let me just try to summarize this really quick sure. for the listener. A lot of these chronic diseases that we're seeing now were perpetuated from uh, research being done in the laboratories and the creation of these contaminated vaccines. Yeah, accelerated is a better word. They were, it's not causal because we know we had cases of autism and or like Lou Gehrig's disease in the world, but they were accelerated so, so much so that no, now we hold bucket challenges for, you know, for ALS. And, and so everybody's got it. So the, the explosion of chronic disease um, was, in, was in, in a major part driven by this con these contaminated blood supplies and contaminated vaccines. And so it was accelerated because it was compromising people's 
immune systems, allowing them to become more susceptible to these things that we were already being exposed to for probably hundreds of years without having widespread consequences then. Correct. And the, and the environmental toxins such as formaldehyde, polysorbate 80, aluminum, mercury, that further compromise the immune system, allowing the adventitious agents, they call them, even Borrelia mycoplasma, mold. Think about the mast cell activation disorders. It wasn't just in these cell cultures when we grow these cultures in the lab. We add antibiotics. We add antimycotics. So your children, before they even develop a healthy microbiome, are being injected with antibiotics. So they're, they're skewing the balance of the microbiome that we now appreciate is so critical um, to regulating the immune system and the endocannabinoid system. So yeah, it's, a, it's everything. And the more we, we can clearly see, and, and I do, we do cases as expert witnesses in vaccine court um, showing the damage, the more the susceptible family members, that's people with other autoimmune diseases, histories of cancer in their families, they work with environmental toxins such as glyphosate, such as farmers, you know, who are, are spraying their crops and that's crippling their, their immune system. Um, uh, you know, everything from jet fuel to pilots with oxidative stress because they're flying all, all the time. So yes, it's, you're, you're just driving the disease um, with, and the more shots, the more injections, um, the, the sicker these kids get. Um, and, and of course, there's a a lot of death there. You know, there's, uh, Dr. Judy, there's a lot of, of speculation in the public about where this latest virus, the coronavirus, came from. You know, it's human nature for us to want to know where it came from, why this is happening. And, you know, there's talk that it came from an animal at a market. There's talk that it's been created in a lab. You know, with all of your expertise on viruses and how they act and react, what does the science point to here? Well, the science is pretty clear from a 2015 Nature Medicine paper, and, and that is, um, that paper said that the, the, the lab at Wuhan obtained a cell line called Vero E6 monkey kidney cells, so cells that harbor HIV and all these other um, monkey viruses and mouse viruses, things we've mentioned. Um, and so they got that cell line um, well before 2015 from Fort Detrick, from USAMRID, the Army Medical Research Institute's biosafety level four facility. Um, they worked with that cell line. They they grew the virus from the bat. They took them from the small molecules. They grew it in a cell line. So when you do that in a laboratory, it's by definition not a natural evolution because these cells grow continuously. They, they're immune compromised in the cell line. They don't make type one interferons, the very interferon that is needed to suppress those viruses that I first made in 1980 as a, as a therapeutic for viral infections and viral associated cancers. So they don't have that in this cell line and that's why it grows so well. So it's a little virus factory. So you're not getting the mutation. So you're growing a little virus factory and a lot of changes can happen that can accelerate, I say, the evolution. It's not a natural evolution. If left to the wild, a bat in a market or anything else, uncooked, cooked, the viruses just can't easily adapt to infect human cells. They, they need to go through an animal intermediate. In this case, it's clear from the science, it's that cell line.
And I was actually curious about that. Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a background in virology and these types of studies like you do. Um, you know, I have more of a, a medical background. Um, and, you know, we've been asking so many questions about this. And, um, you know, just from, just from the background that I have, um, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me that something from an animal would just jump into a human and start making them sick. And so I was really wondering about, was this, you know, was this altered and created in some sort of a laboratory atmosphere? And then, you know, then it got released and then, and that's why people are struggling like that. Right. And, and we call it nosocomial because even, even if it happened in a laboratory, most healthy people wouldn't get desperately ill from a coronavirus because they have no other comorbidities. They have no other immune compromised state like we're talking about. Um, now, in the autistic, in the vaccine injured, they have mitochondrial deficiencies. They have, they have very low glutathione. Glutathione, the intracellular antioxidant, is what you must have to, to, to make sure you can stop this virus from killing you. It is by way of uh, oxidative stress primarily that it kills you, as well as alteration of your epigenetics. Your, that is your DNA methylation machinery. Key to silencing these viruses is the epigenetics that was in my postdoctoral career, another paradigm shifting discovery we made about how these viruses cause disease. And then that inflammatory signature, that, that fire that's up too high, that the, you know, uh, again, the compromise can't silence it. But most healthy people will just be exposed, even at a seafood market, if they got a, a, a normal exposure. So, so it's only the compromising. Clearly, all the clinical data show that the, it's, it's a less than a normal upper respiratory infection in the healthy. And, and in the compromised, it's still even comparable to a normal influenza, which, of course, can kill people with elderly with comorbidities in the average age of death from COVID-19, which again, well, I, I will still dispute, I will dispute to my death that it is, it is caused by SARS coronavirus 2, wherever it came from, a single agent doesn't cause disease. The symptoms of that are being reported by the clinicians, it literally have nothing to do with the infectious range, the kind of pathogenesis that coronaviruses do. They infect these cells. They don't infect every cell of the body. They don't, I, I've seen psychosis. I've seen burning skin. I've seen skin lesions. And I'm like, no, that's vaccine injury. That's not coronaviruses. That's, that's what we see in vaccine court. And, and so, you know, what's the disconnect here? What, what are we doing and, and how are we, you know, driving people? Um, in a fearful way, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you know much about the autistic community, but, um, you know, they are extremely depleted of oxygen. Uh, so mitochondrial deficiency, glutathione deficiency, those kids will die with those masks on. Those kids will go into, will, will lose, they will go into anxiety, they will go into rage. That's not a virus. That's, that's the methods that have been told to us would, would heal this virus. And so the very most compromised and the very most injured because 
of the, the, the really the, the criminality of a government that removed all liability um, from vaccines in 1986. And, and for 36 years, no safety testing has been done. No people have been allowed to make discoveries like, um, like we've made. And if they do make those discoveries, they either end up losing their careers or their lives as we detail other investigators in our book, Plague of Corruption. So um, yeah, COVID-19 is a plague of corruption and the coronavirus isn't what any of us should be worried about. Um, we should be worried about um, the forced and mandated vaccination um, because the, these vaccines will kill the original victims. Uh, it's, it's a deadly combination and we know that um, how the viruses um, and the immune systems respond. So I feel like it's the detonate switch. Yeah. And, you know, stepping back and kind of just looking at the whole picture over the last, and I'm just going to throw out 30 years because it definitely is, you know, probably been going, you know, things have been getting set up for a much longer period of time. But just for the time frame that I can remember as an adult, you know, I can go back and take a look at like, we've been setting up the perfect or we've been set up inside the perfect storm. I mean, in the last yeah. 30 years, we've seen, you know, kids who used to only get, you know, this many vaccines, you know, like, I don't know, seven vaccines. Now they're getting what, 50 or 60 vaccines now by the time that they're in what, third grade or fourth grade, right. something like that. Like, I don't know the exact, but I know that it's gone up a lot. And these vaccines do compromise the immune system and they do, and they do uh, cause issues with the blood brain barrier, which then leads mm -hmm. to other problems. I mean, there's so many problems that the vaccines cause, plus our diet. I mean, it's so full of contaminate, you know, contaminants from, you know, preservatives to, uh, to insecticides, just so many things that further make the body sick. And then we've got environmental toxins that are in our makeup, in our perfumes, in, our, in the air that we breathe, in the food that we eat, in the clothes that we wear. So, and, and, and this has gotten so bad over the last 30 years. And you can see a very stark increase. And I've actually shown this in graphs um, uh, uh, in graphic overlays um, in some of my um, uh, master classes that I've done on mental health, that with the increase in, for example, glyphosate use, just that alone, you've seen a stark increase in a lot of these different mental health and other chronic diseases. Um, and so, you know, what you're saying, uh, you know, I think can help the listener to kind of take a look back and step back and look at what's happened over the last 30 years that has set us all up to be very, very vulnerable now where, you know, most people, what's so scary is that most people are not healthy anymore. Right. You know, we have to fight for our health. We have to go way outside the norm to regain our health and to maintain our health now. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this, you said that better than I ever could. So it's hard. I mean, in, in, in COVID-19, what do they do? Oh, they close the bathrooms. They close the farmer's market. You only get, you know, glyphosate laced um, uh, food, processed food. So, and, and, and that only under duress of wearing a mask in a grocery store that's so heavily sprayed with toxins, you can't even breathe that cleaner that's in the store. Uh, it's just a nightmare. So, you know, we're, we're losing weight because I won't go to the store. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, I, I was in the, the store this morning and um, it was, let's just put it this way. I won't go back into the store. I, w I refuse to go back in there because now I'm being forced to wear a mask. 
my glasses fog up. I feel claustrophobic. I actually started to feel a little lightheaded and I didn't know if that was because I was feeling upset or if because I really wasn't getting enough oxygen. Um, and um, a lady in the store, so I, I pulled the mask down just right to here. You know, I know that the masks are not working anyway. It's just it's a false sense of security. I pulled it right down here, A, so that I could see where I was walking um, and B, so that I could feel like I was actually getting some air. And, uh, and I got a very snark remark from a lady in Whole Foods who works there and says, you're gonna have to leave the store if you don't cover your nose. And I said, well, I can't see if I cover my nose. My glasses completely fog over. And I felt so uptight about it. Um, I just refused to go to the store. My husband said that he would do it for us. Yeah, what we actually made was we had a little card that somebody in my church group made for us and she even laminated it and put it in a clip. And it said, I have a lung injury. I cannot wear a mask. The American Disabilities Acts and the HIPAA Acts um, um, say you can't ask me what my disability is and you'll get fined if you deny me access to this store. So we just wear it like a kindergartner on our Wear it on our shirt. Yeah. And yeah. I won't go in the store either, but my husband, he's 81 and he does have COPD and he's so funny. He's like, oh, thank you very much for protecting me. He's so funny. So he just keeps going. And if they try to stop him, he acts like, um, I don't know what it was, it Peter Falk in Colombo, where he was just this dumb guy. Everybody just thinks he's his big teddy bear and they leave him alone. Oh and my gosh. And I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, you know, let's circle back around for a minute. Because right. you said something that I think that we should like go down this road now is you said we shouldn't be fearing COVID. We shouldn't be fearing this coronavirus. Right. Let's go down that road and talk a little bit more about what we need to be careful about. Like what's really going on here that we need to be fearful of or maybe not fearful of. I don't want to say that because you know what? I want to retract that statement. Yeah. Because we don't need to be fearful, we need to be educated. So what is it that we need to be aware of so that we can stand up and be able to do something about it and come together? Because uh, you know, there's a lot of concerns right now. Right, I, I think the most important thing to be aware of is that everything we're being mandated to do by our governors, our federal government, our state legislators, anything else is um, not only dangerous, because you mentioned you get lightheaded. Imagine that construction worker 15 floors up on a building, and I've had my friends and colleagues saying, please help us here in Riverside County, California, because our husbands are going to die as they pass out and fall off that ladder, or as you are. I mean, can you imagine anything like driving in a car in a mask? Really? You're all alone. You're in a car and you're in a mask, and it's the same car you got in the last four years really. Um, and, and that when you're driving that car, you can get lightheaded, you can pass out, you can have a car accident. It's not a trivial matter. <clears throat> so look at all of the measures that we've been told to do that are unconstitutional, that are against American Disabilities Act, HIPAA Act. Say you have anything, if you have asthma, you're at risk can't wear a mask, um, look at the, the, the requirements to get a flu vaccine. So I can't walk in that grocery store and buy a roll of toilet paper, but I can get a live flu vaccine causing an upper respiratory efficient, um, uh, infection in a compromised elderly person. And then they put on a mask 
and they continue in an immune suppressed environment to replicate that virus and create an explosion, which can be so inflammatory that it could cause a sudden cardiac arrest. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for just a second. Okay. (laughs) I want to make sure everybody understands that. So when you go get a flu vaccine and you get that injected into your body, it actually causes a live infection in your body, maybe in a small amount, not so much that people that supposedly that people will get sick, although some people do get very sick from the vaccine. Um, but nevertheless, they've been exposed to a, a live infection through the injection. Now, when they're breathing, they're where, where they, they are shedding, and that's one of the ways that the body detoxes is through breath as well. So the body is trying to get rid of it, but you're wearing a mask. So you're rebreathing it, essentially causing a higher concentration of that infection in your body that has a higher likelihood of killing you. Yeah, and that inflammatory response, that cytokine storm, that depletion of the of the intracellular glutathione, that oxidative stress. Well, that's what all upper respiratory infections do, whether microbial or uh, or viral. And then if you're if you're really in a bad place, you get the Prevnar on the same day with a boatload of aluminum in it. Um, and that doesn't necessarily shed. That's recombinant pieces of parts, but it further cripples your immune system. And so when you drop dead while you wear that mask, uh, and again, you can be shedding through the mask, so you're not protecting anybody else. And, um, you know, uh, you know, as we remember a few years ago, nurses that refused the flu vaccine were forced to wear the mask. So we used to use hashtag ask for the mask because we know knew those were the people who weren't shedding virus on people who were immune compromised working walking into hospitals and, and cancer therapy programs. I mean, I still can't comprehend that they vaccinate cancer patients who are by definition so immune compromised that they've got uh, cancer and those chemotherapies have further and radiation therapies compromise them and they would inject them that's just you know I was I was with a patient and it's really not funny and Dr. Rossetti was with me a few months ago and I pointed as the person went to get blood drawn for their test and I pointed to the sign and he's like yeah you got to kill him with vaccine before you kill him with the chemotherapy that way you're not held liable because there's no liability if you kill him with the vaccine yeah (laughs) not funny yeah (laughs) well you know what and what's so sad is that is that people just so blindly go and get it because they believe that they believe these initiatives put out by the government you know without questioning it when and their doctors doctors, how can an oncologist do that so that's why like as you said earlier elena we we focus on educating we've got to re-educate our entire medical system no 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 you know, this is, you know, and so that's, that's the good news in COVID-19. If everybody realizes this is a plague of corruption intended to take away our rights. So we, we simply must reject any unconstitutional laws and remove any, any officials, governors, I don't really care, mayors in New York who denied religious freedoms. Really, if, if you don't close your church, I'll close it forever for you. Not in America. 
you know, not some mayor. No, that you don't get to override constitutional freedoms. And this is the first thing that we should be doing, saying, no, this is my constitutional freedom. My, 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 as a human being, I walk on the beach. What's the public health measure of shutting a beach? You can't possibly, healthy people walking down the beach cannot make somebody sick. If you're healthy, do you go for a run on the beach? Yeah. If you're sick, do you go for a run on the beach? No. You stay home and you drink chicken soup and you don't run that day because you don't really feel good. What did we used to say if you had a virus? Oh, don't exercise because you'll make yourself sicker because that's the inflammation. So, and, and, and there's a nice breeze on that beach today. You know, viruses transmit when you cough through the little water droplets that you can't even see. They go through that mask. Some of them hit you back in the face, but they go through that mask. But they certainly, as they hit the dry air and fall to a surface a couple of feet away, nobody's getting sick and certainly not a healthy person. How can that one little droplet, and that one little droplet, does it contain a viral particle? No. If you've got RNA that you had to scrape out of your throat and amplify a million times in order to even call yourself positive for having those RNA sequences that are a tenth of a virus, are you really going to cough something if you had to amplify it a million times? Nobody's ever shown it in the saliva. That's why I mentioned that I isolated blood from the saliva of AIDS patients back in, they were AIDS patients, even healthy people carrying HIV won't infect another healthy person. The commercials are all on the TV. So every public health measure they have said will actually cause you more immune suppression, compromise your immune system, you know, uh, close a public restroom. Oh, so we'll pee in the streets. That's really good for public health. You know, and yet the signs are everywhere here in California public health and safety code, wear a mask. And I say, no, I take it down. We take them off the beach. <laughs> we remember the 60s when they said, keep mother nature out. You remember that song, sign, sign everywhere, sign. Uh-uh, do this, don't do that. Well, we're there. We're back there again, back to the days of the 60s when, when Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy Sr. were fighting for our freedoms. So it, it's just another form of tyranny. And, and it's the worst kind ever um, um, because it's bio-warfare against our own people, against the, our own country, perpetrated by the heads of our public health uh, uh, officials in, in HHS. And, and that's why I say they should be convicted of treason. Dr. Judy, let me ask you this. We're seeing a lot of doctors in different parts of the country. A lot of these are ER doctors coming out in videos on social media saying that some of the treatment recommendations from the CDC are actually making patients worse. And then we see a lot of these videos being removed or censored from social media. A lot of interviews with you have also been censored and removed from social media. And you have a lot of everyday people out there who have a really hard time believing that there's some type of censorship here happening. What is your take on this? What's the what's your take on the treatments that are being recommended? And then what's your take on this this censorship that seems to be happening? Well, as I mentioned, not one of the treatments that is recommended 
um, is helping. In fact, most of the data is pretty clear they're hurting. The ventilators are killing people, the ER docs, other docs that say the masks are insane. Even Tony Fauci said, oh yeah, the mask serves no purpose, so who does it hurt? The compromise. Uh, so um, the flu shot hurting people, we've discussed it. The remdesivir, the new drug that is going to save everything. Well, you know what? You, you kind of manipulated those trials, and it's really actually probably pretty dangerous. But you're going to, where our FDA is going to fast track it and improve it while we have simple type one interferon, simple vitamin C, simple zinc, um, a, a simple colloidal silver, um, washing your hands with soap, the same things we would do any year for a corona or any other kind of, of upper respiratory infectious agent. Um, so, and, and, and yet you're promoting everything unhealthy and, and everything we say is censored um, because it's the truth. So if, if people, you know, that, that we are censored from free speech in America is one thing, but, you know, um, I've been waiting for the, in fact, I had an interview for Plague of Corruption on NBC News yesterday and they canceled it. Why did they cancel it? Oh, the legal department was afraid. Who's funding our major news networks? We, you know, it's, it's really as simple as follow the money. Oh, Merck, Merck, all the commercials, all the drug companies, we talked about that um, um, recently. So we're only one of two countries in the world um, that allow direct-to-consumer advertisement of, of drugs. Um, and, and, and so, oh, so we have all these ads on TV. And as, as um, Bobby Kennedy Jr. reminded me the other day, um, in a non-election year, 70% of all um, TV networks are supported. So the actors and the actors are, are supported by pharmaceutical companies. So the money, everything is skewed and any other voice in this country is getting censored. But the big mistake they made um, is hold everybody at home and give them Zoom classes and Zoom platforms. And now all of a sudden we're gonna get paid not to go to work, which is you know the American dream. Can you imagine? We didn't have tax day this year. So it's like, oh, okay. And so people are sitting around like you and me today and we just, we get up in the morning, we put on a suit and we go to work. It's, you know, you don't even know if I have pants on. As, <laughs> as my husband says, you'll scare them, Judy. Uh, but at any rate, so. Um, we go, we go and we sit and we drink coffee and we talk and, and people have nothing better to do. And they're listening and they're seeing the alternative networks and they're seeing the message and, and they're reading the books or they're, or they're comparing the news on the TV and the news on their computer. And they're like, yeah, why would she say that? Oh, did you know Deborah Burke's daughter is the associate director or some kind of director of the Gates Foundation? So here's Scarf Lady standing up there saying, oh, we're going to liberally define the most liberal definition possible for what COVID-19 is. So as we understand it, if you jump out of a plane without your parents, parachute, you will be diagnosed as death due to COVID-19. No, you know, okay. You know, this, this is insanity. And, and, and everybody can see the insanity. What do you mean liberal diagnosis? Even, even people who have no medical background, what do you mean? My, my 80, what do you, the average age of death is 80.1. 
You know, I see, you know, World War II veteran died of complications of COVID. Oh, is that because the ambulance didn't arrive at his house? Is that the complication? Is that because there was a do not resuscitate or you were told to use a ventilator instead of oxygen, simple oxygen cannula in the nose? You know, is that complications from COVID? Um, but the, it's not funny because they're burying the evidence. They're burying the evidence of who they've killed. They're, nobody gets to look and see, oh, wait a minute, the autistic kids have no glutathione, have horribly messed up DNA methylation machinery, have those inflammatory signatures where anything you do to them is throwing gasoline on a fire. Oh, who's dying first? Oh, the very people we injured over the last four decades. 50 million Americans um, were the controls with XMRVs with the mouse, monkey, bird, and other gamma retroviruses with Borrelia. Who's gonna die? You know, we with with chronic Lyme disease. Oh, they are because they already have mast cell activation disorder. What does that mean? They've already got a primed pump, and the minute you throw a teeny bit of little gasoline on that fire, that next vaccine you're going to mandate, um, you'll kill them. And then nobody will ever know because you've buried them in mass graves. You've liberally diagnosed everything as COVID-19. It'll look like the Spanish flu that killed 50 million Americans. And it's a plague of corruption. It absolutely is. And, and I felt that, you know, that was unbelievable when I first saw that coming out in the news. I, it, it really helped me put more pieces of the puzzle together right away because why else would would there be cover up as to you know um, why would you come out and label everything as a you know as a as a death that was caused from uh, you know from COVID uh, you know there's no other explanation other than they're trying to bury evidence they're trying to create more fear around this so that then they can come up with their you know with this so that then they can be the saviors and have the solution which is which is another vaccine that's going to just like really you know, it's really scary because, you know, we know that more people are going to get sick, more people are going to die. And we're trying to, you know, spread that message out there. And I'm so proud of the doctors. I'm sure you are too. So proud of these MDs who are standing up around the country. You know, I mean, of course, just like anybody else, they don't want to lose their license. They're amazing doctors. They're critical thinkers. They're the ones that are not killing people because they're not following the agendas of using these, um, using the ventilators that are killing people, they're coming out and speaking truth, you know, and I mean, I've, I'm so proud of them because they are also just like you are, just like we are trying to spread a message that, you know, that, you know, that what's going on is total corruption and it's going to lead to, you know, a huge demise of, you know, not only populations, uh, you know, of people in the U.S. and around the world, but it's, you know, it's, this is leading to the loss of our, of our constitutional rights, a lot of the things that are going on right now. Right, absolutely. And, and I'm, I mean, that is the silver lining, that doctors are waking up and saying, what? You know, we did the testing. That's not what we're seeing. We're seeing antibodies. That means people are immune. What's your vaccine going to do? Make an antibody? Oh, okay. Doesn't a person with an antibody not need a vaccine? And what, wouldn't the person that's re-exposed once they have an antibody, um, do something called antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity. That means kill your own cells and drive that flame, throwing gasoline on a fire. So why are you 
injecting every single person on the planet when most of the planet's in, already immune and the injection's gonna kill everybody. So why are you injecting anybody at all? Well, because you can, because you've scared them, because we've taken love out of the equation. We're not allowed to touch people. We're scared of people. People are committing suicide because they had the infection and they recovered. Now they're not allowed in the military, I saw this morning. Oh, if you had COVID-19, you can't rejoin the military. If you had a positive test, doesn't that remind you of what they did the military and HIV? Yeah, that's what they did. You know, how many times did they get to do this to us where they kill the, 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 the first responders, the, the lab workers, the nurses, the doctors, you know, the military? Those are the people most heavily vaccinated and most heavily injured. And, and now, and, and we're a country who's patriotic. We honor people on football fields while we kill them. It, it makes no sense. None. You know, Dr. Judy, we have uh, some questions coming in from our, yeah, from our live listeners. And so I want to get to a couple of these while we have just a few minutes left. And I think this is a great question because we have a lot of people listening who have no medical background, no science background. They're getting all their news and their information from watching the news and turning on the TV. So Jessica asks if you, if, if she can have some kind of explanation to help her understand the truth about how dangerous this virus actually is. Um, I think the clearest information about the truth of how this dangerous virus actually is, I, I take from uh, Dell Bigtree's thehighwire.com, his Highwire show of a couple of weeks ago, look for it. So what he reported there was between, and all doctors and all testing, and he had a number of doctors on there, 0.1%, that's one in a thousand, to 0.003 to one in 300 um, people, could even be 10,000, um, will, will ever die. And those are the people with significant comorbidities. So this isn't even as, as dangerous as the usual influenza seasons. That means if you're basically healthy, you're going to be sick. You might cough for a little while. And this is a severe cough. So I won't tell you it's not a severe cough. And I won't tell you that um, measures don't need to be um, taken. And I was talking to the, uh, the lovely Dr. Daniel Newsom last night, um, who uh, some of his family came over and, and, um, and they got quite sick, but he has a method in, in natural products. You know what we do with he and he does with herbs and medicine. So he was overnight able to treat this. So we're overnight with smart naturopathic doctors, other doctors able to understand this and treat this. So it's not, you're not at risk. And when the government tells you all these people are asymptomatic carriers, no, those are by definition healthy people. You don't carry a coronavirus, you clear it with your immune system, or you never get infected if exposed in the first place. And, um, and, and this is what uh, Dell's show of a few weeks ago, and Dell and those doctors really explain it at a level where Jessica will really understand it. It's essentially zero risk and everything else the measures that are taking are what's going to destroy the health of our families i mean i'm not used to seeing my husband that many hours a day so i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> we're getting really fat <laughs> so. yeah so 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 what one of the things that I heard you say there is that the measures that are being taken now, that's what's going to lead people to getting sick. Um, and so, and I've heard you speak about this. I have spoken with this about 
my patients, I'm sure Dr. Newsom has spoken, we you know, with his following about this. I know Dr. Newsom, by the way, he's an amazing guy. Love that guy. Um, and, and he's such a good teacher too, right? He's really good at explaining stuff and simplifying complex, you know, ideas and stuff, but staying inside all the time, bad for your immune system. Right. Because, you know, because you're not exposing yourself to all the viruses and bacteria that we normally expose ourselves to every day that actually help keep our immune system activated and strong and helps to keep, you know, helps, helps us keep from getting sick. Right. And then we've got uh, the stressors of, you know, all of the fear that that we're being fed. A lot of people are having then on top of that, even more stressors of, you know, they're being, they're out of work and, and they're, and that's just causing them, you know, extreme amount of stress and fear. Right. Um, and then wearing the masks, like that's another one. Right. I mean, okay. that's, you know, so all of these things combined um, and not getting outside where, I mean, that, you know, apart from being exposed to other viruses and bacteria, you know, that is actually good for us to be exposed to these things, being outside and getting fresh air, getting sun where we can get my vitamin D, which helps also to regulate our immune system and our inflammatory responses in our body, like all of that's basically being taken away from us. And so, you know, Dr. Mikovits has talked about this for all of you who, who are listening. I've heard her other interviews where she has talked about this. And, you know, this is very, very important for, for you to get outside as much as you can, you know, get outside, expose yourself to the sun, expose yourself to your environment, because if you don't do that, then you're, you are further setting yourself up to get sick again, you know, later. And there are some other topics that we, uh, you know, totally are excited to hit with you because there's so much, there's so much in your message that we feel that needs to be spread. And we're all, we're already working on, on different ways to get the message spread out. So I can't wait to talk with you about this, to let you know what we're doing on our end to help spread your message. But we do have a couple of other topics, you know, different areas that we want to talk about uh, that hit on things that you talk about in your book. Um, and uh, so, you know, we are super excited to get to have our other, um, our other interviews with you. Um, but I think Anne did have a couple of other questions she wanted to ask. Yeah, happy. And we're going to yeah. talk several times in the next few weeks. I think Absolutely. Monday, right? Yes. Yes, on Monday. We, we definitely want to dive further into the whole vaccine issue and get some real explanation on that because we have a lot of questions that people come with um, right. about, you know, around the vaccines. But this one here, I think, is another interesting one to address. Talk a little bit about herd immunity. How long does herd immunity take to develop? And, you know, is that something we're looking to have happen here with coronavirus? Well, I think uh, the data support. So what herd immunity really means is that remember all those healthy people. So they've made antibodies. So they've been exposed, they're immune, they're, they're protecting those who are compromised and can't develop the immunity, the very young and the very old. So um, the, the, it's clear in South Carolina and I think in Sweden where they didn't do as drastic stay at home, only the very sick or the compromised stayed at home. And the rest of the family went out and went to work and used those, you know, the sunlight and everything that Dr. Elena was just talking about to, 
to boost their immunity and then they go home and 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 everyone's happy and 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 they you know they don't necessarily spread the disease so i think it's even probably clear that herd immunity exists in several states in the united states and maybe in the entire united states because it's clear um to, to from the data that it looks like this virus already went through here last november and it was that what was called an influenza season which was horrible but in fact the 80,000 deaths in the severe influenza last year less than a thousand were attributed to the influenza so the flu could have easily been the wuhan flu and we could already have developed natural herd immunity we're immune that is said to be 70 percent of the people and i think it's pretty clear that 70 percent of the people um have um either antibodies to coronaviruses and are immune even from this particular strain because they the conserved regions to the immune system are what you need to respond you don't have to develop strain specific immunity and this is why i've said don't get an annual flu shot if you've ever had the flu or you have ever had the flu shot that's as immune as you need and so you're only added toxins and risk after that point. So herd immunity, I'm pretty, it's pretty clear, is likely, um, is likely occurred in the United States. And that's why I continue to encourage President Trump to let everybody go now. Let everybody go back to work. If you're not sick, go to work. Um, and, and most of the people who are compromised, like my husband, he's 81 years old. He was retired. He didn't go to work anyway. He goes, hangs out on the beach. So they're only hurting his immune system because he can't go out on the beach. And in order to keep myself from getting angry about the masks and things, I simply pray for, I stop and pray for everybody that walks by with a mask on, that they wake up, that they, that, that they, they trust God. They don't fear. They know we have a natural immune system and they recognize that, wait a minute, God didn't make us to breathe our own CO2. God didn't make us to wear masks. Why did we never wear a mask before? You know, um, oh, because we have an immune system, God-given, and if we develop it with natural products, with plants, with healthy food, we'll all be fine. We got a great point here from Renee, and he's asking, he says, one of the problems right now is that you're being attacked in several online communities and being discredited. What are some sources that people can go to to find some research that helps align with or aligns with the the research you talk about where can people find this research to share it you know credible research that they can share I think uh, there are a number of sources. Um, the, the truth about cancer and the truth about vaccines. We did a panel a few weeks ago. We had a whole meeting. The online summits for nutrition for, you know, the um, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny um, has a vaccine research library. She, she has classes on her website. She's done 40,000 hours of research. She teaches me. Um, so the, uh, I, I mentioned Dell Big Tree and the high wire.com. I mean, there are numerous sources of, 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 of places where people are really getting the truth. And it's, I, I love it. I think um, um, Dell had Zach Bush on yesterday, the brilliant endocrinologist who uh, a, year, a couple years ago, we, we gave back-to-back -back shows on Dell Big Tree Show. And he's like, forget your doctor, know your farmer, you know, eat healthy food. So there's, there's so many resources and Autism One is going virtual 
virtual this year. So now most families with, with injured kids, and it's more than just autism one, it's going to be Gardasil injury, it's going to be Dell, it's going to be um, Dr. Buttar, it's going to be um, yeah, Sherry Tenpenny, um, Dietrich Klinghart, Joe Mercola. I've given lectures for Dietrich and Joe Mercola. So these doctors' education sites where they educate people, there's so much available right now that, that people can find alternatively and get the real sources. And just like our books, our two books are, are thousands of pages of references in our website, um, plaguethebook.com. It got censored. It got taken down yesterday, but I'm sure um, our, our webmistress, uh, Cheryl, will get it up as soon as possible. And it, it's fine. People know my phone number. I don't care. So call me. I'll, I'll try to help you. But we can direct people. There's so many fabulous healthcare, natural healthcare sources and, and, and doctors who have stepped up there and, and, and educated whole patient populations. So now more than ever. So I think it's May 20th through the 24th. You're going to be able for free um, to see every lecture you want at Autism One. So four days, the, the gift of not traveling is you don't have to take your sick kids out and, and you're at home and you can watch the whole thing. And we even sit in exhibitor halls. So because of the technology, we can go and we can sit and you can ask us questions. So we did a panel yesterday with, with uh, uh, Stephanie Seneff with glyphosate, with Arthur Krigsman, um, with um, Dr. Richard Deeth. Um, we, were, uh, we were talking about type one diabetes um, and, and, and in the autistic and the development, I talked about vaccine court. So we have so Bobby Kennedy Jr. will be there. Del Bigtree will be there. I, I think Dr. Klingard will be there. So it's there and it's on your screen and it's free. And so we, there's so many opportunities now to learn and to share. And most of us will sit there in those panels. Um, I think it was a couple hours last night and we had a really good conversation. And I think, you know, it might revolutionize medicine. So in the future, those that can't be present physically can actually always not feel left out. Yeah, I think that's so, I think that's so wonderful. We have amazing resources that are just coming out left and right. And, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, you guys, you know, take note of this. A lot of these doctors that are coming up and speaking um, on these different, you know, um, uh, documentaries and these different webinars and stuff that, uh, that uh, Judy is talking about, these, these are mainstream medical doctors who saw that there was a problem. They opened their eyes and they started looking at what was happening to their patients. When, when, they, when their patients were becoming injured or their patients were not getting better, they opened their eyes, they maintained their, their, their stance of critical thinking, thinking on their own and not just following the agendas that they were being given. And, and, and they were able to see what was really going on. And, you know, and these people are standing up not for themselves, they're doing it to help you. You know, they're standing up against, against the odds, right? Because it's a lot easier for them to continue doing what the other MDs are doing or the other DOs are doing because they're fearful to lose their license. They just wanna get a paycheck so they can take care of their families, you know? And these other ones that you're gonna hear from, you know, they have, they're standing up and they are trying to help. And so take advantage of the time that you have right now and educate yourself. And, and I just wanted to circle back around to the vaccine thing just really, really quick. Okay. So please correct me if I'm wrong, because again, this is not my expertise, all right? But 
the concept of a vaccine, couldn't you say that, you know, the concept of a vaccine, like, it's pretty cool, actually, and almost like homeopathic kind of in nature. I mean, you're like using nature, you're using nature to your advantage by giving just a tiny, tiny dose of it, not enough to make you sick, but enough to get your immune system exposed so that your immune system knows what to do next time. So it's not that the vaccines are evil. It's what's been done to the vaccines. It's what's been put into the vaccines and how they've been manipulated that is, that is evil. Right, exactly, and that the liability was removed in 1984 and 86, and no, no safety testing's been done since as required by federal law, so we don't know how much damage they can do. And interesting you should say this because um, we can make a safe vaccine. I can literally take coronavirus and essentially any other coronavirus, and I say I, but it's always the royal we scientists, and we we purify it. We purify it to just that infectious agent. And then we deliver it in a capsule away from the lungs. You deliver it to the bone marrow, to the immune cells where, you know, most of the endocannabinoid system is that responds by keeping the fire low. We have publications that show us that if we transiently block the cannabinoid one receptor, and I'll be talking about this in my talk at Autism One if I ever write it, but <laughs> theoretically I'm going to do that before tomorrow. And and so we're going to and so you can take that 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 uh, modulate, take advantage of our knowledge of the cannabis system. So I call it the dimmer switch. The flame can't get too high. So present it right at the source of and to the antigen presenting cells, this is immunology, and, and give it a little um, curcumin, so the anti-inflammatory, so the fire can't get too high. So you will develop <laughs> specific antibodies and a breath in the very young and the very old mice. So you've got your solution right there and you can plug and play every virus that comes down to the pipe <laughs> and deliver to the immune cells right where you need the response. Change everything. <coughs> Sorry. Now, Dr. Judy, we got several people asking where to get your book. Um, one more time, your website, so people can go there. That's the best place for them to get your book. <coughs> no, our book is sold by all major booksellers. Oh, okay, perfect. Bar Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, Books A Million, India. Um, so, and it's um, published by um, Simon Schuster and Skyhorse. Um, our website, plaguethebook.com. Um, I have lectures. I have things that we've talked about. I'll have the registration, the free registration link for Autism One there, the meetings, and you can find out when I'm talking. So that's right there on the site. I hope we'll have it up by tomorrow. It got taken down yesterday, but um, soon. But, but really, Amazon, um, they're still sold out. Um, <laughs> it's a bestseller, but you can get the Kindle version. And if anybody pre-orders the book for when it's in stock and they write me, uh, I'll simply give them the electronic version while they wait for their copy. So um, hopefully we'll be released um, uh, free to in society soon. So I don't want to waste all this time when they could be reading this book. And it really is a quick three hour read. And I say to most people, if you have no other time, simply read the foreword by Bobby Kennedy Jr. and which walks through generations of this kind of censorship and corruption, not only with 
vaccines, but with glyphosate toxicity, with GMO corruption, um, with um, uh, the kinds of things like mercury and the other environmental toxins. So um, really an eye-opener. Um, 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 just gratitude for him for doing that. Um, and then read the last chapter, which is really good news. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, you know, we're encouraging everybody to get these books so that you can educate yourself because a lot of things are being censored, but so far the government has not started book burning yet. So, um, get your book, get your books while you can. Um, I say that because I'm just so angry at everything going on. Um, but we have some great topics that are coming up with Dr. Judy Mikovits. We are going to be talking about, uh, more, it, we're, we're going to dive more into solutions, things that we can do if we do get sick. Okay. We can talk about that on Monday, right? Dr. Judy, we can talk about that. We have actually helped many of our own clients, um, using vitamin C, nebulizing silver, things like that. Um, I'm pretty sure I had it back in November because I've never had anything like it before. And once I started my own protocols, I got better pretty quickly. It actually cleared up within a couple of weeks. Um, right. and, um, so we've got other topics for all of you that have been asking the questions, we will compile these questions so that we can help direct the conversation. Dr. Judy, do you think that's a good idea? We can kind of Absolutely. direct the conversation. That would be nice to answering the questions that we started today and then we can keep drilling down. I think it's on Monday, right? Yes, yes, we're, we're going for a part two on Monday. And then also um, for, for um, any of you who came in halfway through or whatever, uh, and, you know, or you didn't have a chance to listen to it. I know one, uh, someone mentioned earlier they're in the middle of a move and they were trying to hear it on their phone and they, and they were losing reception. We have the recording. We'll send it out to you in our email. Um, if you don't, if you're not signed up for our newsletters, be sure to go to our website, modernholistichealth.com. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can get it. We'll be sending out, we'll be sending it out in the next week or so. And then also, um, we have some really big masterclasses that are going to be going out to literally thousands and thousands of people. And we're going to have these interviews as bonus material. And so we have, we have many, many um, of the top uh, influencers in the health and wellness industry around the country who are going to be um, um, helping us to spread the message on mental health and neurodegenerative disease issues and, and bringing evidence-based data-driven approaches to helping to fix these issues. Um, and we also have uh, some anti-aging and some other things coming out, and we're going to be adding it um, to our, you know, to these programs that are going out, we're going to be adding these interviews there so that you're going to get just a wealth of information and you're going to get to hear Dr. Judy's message and share it with your friends and family also. Thank you so much, Dr. Judy. Thank you so much, Dr. Lena and Anne. I've appreciated and enjoyed the day and I'll look forward to talking to you Monday. We'll talk Absolutely. to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye everyone. Thanks for joining us today.